Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston sits down for a conversation with a couple of Heartlight's teens. For the past two decades, Heartlight has become the country's premier residential counseling center and boarding school for struggling teens. Founded in 1998 by Mark Gregston and his wife Jan, Heartlight is a program that not only modifies behavior, but one that seeks to offer a unique transformative journey through a relational experience that offers counseling, small group therapy, academics, and activities. We hope you find encouragement as you listen to these stories today. Kevin, thanks for being a part of this. Tell me, where are you from? I'm from San Antonio. Okay, so yeah. San Antonio. Are the, are teens from San Antonio any different from, than teens from Kansas City or uh, anything? No, and I didn't realize that until like I got sent here. Um, but you know, cause like there's people from all over the place. And so it was pretty easy just being here and then realizing I'm the same as everyone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Okay. Let, let me, let me go to the very end of the statement. Where would you be if you had not come here? Um, I think I got sent away at the, at a really good time really. And, um, cause like I was starting to get into like more than just smoking weed and mm. I was starting to you know, do acid every once in a while. And there was, like, drug dealers that were hitting me up and asking if I wanted to, like, buy Xanax or, or Percocets. And, and I don't know that I would have been able to resist that for much longer. Yeah. And so I got sent away, and I feel like at the perfect time. Well, so, I mean, at first, you didn't like it, I'm sure. No, no. It took a while for it to grow on me. Yeah, so how long was that while? How, how long was it before you go, maybe this isn't a bad thing? Right. Um, it took probably like a few months um, for me to really see like everything I could get out of this place and how much it could really help me and, and my family. Mm. Um, I was just really, I was pretty close-minded to the change that I had potential to make. I didn't want to make the changes yeah 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 okay so what all i mean so the drugs were an issue before him but what drove you to the drugs that made Um, that so much um attractive i guess right well i guess like it was just depression and anxiety and the anxiety has been around for uh, like second grade i've always been pretty anxious kid and um the depression wasn't I got diagnosed with depression when I was in like fifth grade and I started taking medicine for it. Wow. Um, But it wasn't really bad up until ninth grade. Um, I had just gotten out of a relationship with my, with my ex. And also at the same time I was playing basketball, but then I, I got in trouble for something and Mm. my basketball coach, I was like a starter. And then I was like a bench warmer out of nowhere and so eventually I got tired of it and I wasn't able to like work my way back up to where I was. And I was just working so hard and so hard, but I wasn't getting any recognition and I wasn't making any progress. And so I just quit because it wasn't fun for me anymore. And so at that point, my depression was at its highest and my self-worth was like at its lowest. Hmm. And so 
I had like no identity anymore. I didn't know who I was because wow. for all my life I was a basketball player. And it was, was wrapped a, up in that. Yeah, I was yeah, a yeah, student yeah, yeah. athlete. And all of a sudden I wasn't, you know, and I was no one. I felt like I was no one to anyone. What did you get in trouble for? for by the it coach? was like, no, it was something like I hit a vape, you know. And so yeah. someone offered it to me and I was like, okay, you know, like I didn't really think it was a big deal at the time. And then my coach found out about it and just... Yeah, in the bigger scheme of things, that's right. such a small thing. Yeah. But for it to knock you out of sports and to set you on a path yeah. somewhere, I mean, that's, it yeah. makes it a bigger thing. Right. Yeah. And I just had no idea, like, what I was getting myself into when I did that. Wow. You know? So after you started using, you beat yourself up at night when you go to sleep and think about stuff going, ah, I shouldn't be doing this. Or, right. And, what really bothered me was I could see my 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 parents and I like relationship falling apart in front of my eyes and I could see that they weren't approving of what I was doing and it did bug me but at the same time like they were also bo- like bothering me and so I like fully convinced myself that I didn't care about them anymore. Wow. And Okay, you, like, you say you say like they were bugging you like right. in what way? What I just felt like I was never doing good for them and I felt like everything I did it wasn't enough because my sister super smart, like she yeah. she gets straight A's and and they were also both doctors. And so in like school, I never felt like I could live up to what my parents did and what my sister's doing. And so like as far as academics, I wasn't I wasn't doing good enough. I felt like and then my sister was was playing basketball too, and I felt like she got a lot more praise and more recognition than me. And so all of a sudden, like, I'm not even the basketball player of the family, you know. And it's like what I what I pride myself over is not even like I'm not even the best at it in the wow. family, you wow. know. And so you were just getting kicked right and left. Yeah, it seems like right. And that's where I always screwed myself over was just comparing myself to other people, hmm. you know. And I didn't really ever look at the good that I can, what I had to bring to the table. I didn't give myself enough recognition. Yeah. Still hurt a little bit now? It does, but I've learned to, like, love myself more as in the time that I've been here and, like, love the things that I have to, like, recognize what I can bring to the table and what I can do for other people and for yeah. myself. Do you think that the, that the drugs that you were taking were, were kind of to get rid of some of those feelings you were having? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like eventually it stopped. It, like I stopped doing it for fun, you know, and that's what it started. I started doing it because I didn't know what else to do. And I did it, continue mm-hmm. to do it because I had a good time doing it. But eventually it was just so much built up pain and built up problems that I didn't deal with. And I would just continue to bury them down by smoking more and more. Um, and I just never dealt with anything until I got here. Wow. Did you ever have some moment while you were here at Heartlight that a, a light came on that helped you see something that you hadn't seen before? Um, I just, I learned how much I really value my relationship with other people. And mm-hmm. I learned how important um, some of the friendships and the, my relationship with my parents really was. And I like was so blind to it at home. I was so oblivious to how much I really did care about these people you know so you think you were consumed in your stuff yeah and thinking about you and then the drugs kind of moves you further away that you kind of lost sight of all those things absolutely yeah wow so now you're reconnected with people 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're just one of these fine, upstanding, great <laughs> guys that I go. I mean, there's a part of me that it's hard for me to believe of you not getting along with people yeah. or even being depressed or even being anxious. Right. That's not what I see in you. Yeah. You think you beat it? Um, I think it's still a struggle to this day. And I think it's something that I've really learned to... I've learned to be comfortable in the anxiety that I have. Like it doesn't dictate my day and it doesn't yeah. dictate my my mood anymore. Um, but as far as like being so wrapped up in the in the drug problems that I had, it hasn't been an issue yeah. for a long time. Good. Like I went home on break in in August and it it was it was still a temptation that I gave into. But I, like as much as I wish I didn't do that, I'm kind of glad that I did just because mm. it's a lesson that I really took, got a lot, a lot out of, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, these breaks, these past few breaks have just been a breeze. Well, really. Getting along with your family and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's been okay. a lot better. Okay, if you can snap your fingers like this and change one thing about yourself right now that you'd go, this is what I would love to change. This is what I'd love to be different. I wish I wish I wasn't as much of a perfectionist and I wish I would be able to recognize that I'm that what I'm doing is good but not beat myself over it if it's not to the best of its ability Perfect. you know yeah because yeah. like the bar is just so high for myself and if I'm not clearing it then then my self-worth is lowering wow. And, wow. and my self-worth it'll like it's so easy to tear down but it's it's so hard to build back up. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times it's because of um, how high the bar is and how high my standard is for myself. What do you get your self-worth from? What's the biggest thing that contributes um, to your self-worth? What I've realized is when I was at home, it was all coming from other people. And it was from my, my ex-girlfriend at the time. And it was from my basketball coach and my parents. Um, but it was just so easily to like all fall apart it was either super high or it was all of a sudden super low and so i'm just i'm just more aware of what i have to bring to the table now and i'm more aware of um my strengths and so i guess i would see the things that i'm doing to help other people more often and through that like i'm more comfortable in myself because i'm seeing people enjoy being around me and i'm helping them well, I know people enjoy being around you. Yeah. I mean, everybody here loves you. You don't hear anything negative about you at all. Yeah. I mean, truly. Yeah, I mean, I don't hear, and I listen. I listen well, but I don't hear right. one negative thing. And, and you and I get to be in the same group together, and I get to listen to your comments to the kids, and I go, they're valuable, and you're insightful in what you do, and so keep doing that. Right. Cool. Well, look, yeah. thanks for coming in and sharing Absolutely. your thoughts and, and everything. You're a stud, man. You're just a stud. <laughs> Thank so, you. That's cool. Yeah. Great. Nobody cares more about their teen than moms, but even moms can get discouraged and distracted when watching their teen go through those difficult adolescent years. You can feel alone and helpless, unable to know how to encourage your teen. It can get hard to trust God's goodness in the midst of such hard times. Mark Gregston knows the feeling. That's why he wrote Prayers for My Teen. It's a book of prayers and devotionals to help moms keep their eyes on God and their hearts uplifted even when your teen is struggling. 
Prayers for My Teen is a great addition to your purse, bedside, glove compartment, or desk drawer as a simple way of reminding you of God's faithfulness to you and love for your family. Get your copy of Prayers for My Teen at parentingteenresources.org. No good to uh, sit down with you. Where are you from? Indianapolis, Indiana. In, okay, and how old are you? 15. Okay, so how does a... Well, you were 14 when you got here. Yes. How does a 14-year-old guy from Indianapolis end up getting to Heartlight? My story kind of starts off with, I'd say, two summers ago now. No, one summer ago. I started... I hung out with a friend, and he threw a jewel on the table, and I started smoking from there. Started mm-hmm. hitting vapes. I started using, using nicotine and stuff like that. And it just got progressively worse and worse. Um, stealing alcohol from parents, stealing money so I could buy more weed, et cetera. Wow. And wow. I think I was on the last straw. And you were 13 at the time. No, I was 14. So my oh, birthday's okay. July 28th, and I hung on my friend like August 2nd. Wow. So it was like right as I turned 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the last straw with my parents was like I – like persuaded them and finally convinced them like can I have a friend over even though I'm grounded like he's not going to bring any drugs or anything and they're like you know what like fine we're gonna we're gonna yeah, give yeah, you this yeah. last strand of trust and then he came over ended up bringing a dab pen we got like high parents caught us and he's like all right you can't sleep in your room anymore so they made me sleep on the couch upstairs and like that was like for two weeks I remember one night Tosh talking to my parents having like a conversation about trust and they sat me down. We talked about it. And they're like, all right, we're, we're going to figure out a new solution. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So they're like, I go to bed. We'll talk about it in the morning. So I remember going to bed on the couch. And I woke up. My dad woke me up at like 3, 4 in the morning. Two big old dudes standing next to my bed. And they're like, we're here to take you to Utah. I was like, what the heck? Like, I thought I was dreaming. I was just like yeah, stopping yeah, myself, yeah, yeah. like trying to like figure out what the freak was happening. And they kind of explained, like, yeah, we're going to a wilderness. I tried to stand up and, like, put me back on the couch. Like, don't move. We got everything packed for you. Like, do you say your last goodbyes? Oh, wow. So, like, sleepily, I hugged my mom, hugged my dad. Like, I love you guys. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And they explained to me, like, yeah, you're going to a wilderness program. And my friend Evan had gone to a wilderness program, and he kind of described it. It's just like, oh, it's so bad. Like, you got to, like, yeah, yeah. poop in the ground and, like, call your name and stuff. Like, it's a bunch of weird stuff. And so I was like, oh, guess I'm going there. So the transporters took me to, they flew with me all the way to Salt Lake City. And then I got picked up by the people of Second Nature, which was my wilderness place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of explained what that what was happening. Yeah, They're like, yeah, yeah. okay, your parents couldn't handle you anymore. And they decided to give you to us. So we're going to we're gonna do the best we can. And I was like, how long am I going to be there? They're like, oh, two to three months. So that's where my story kind of started. Just like yeah. trying to figure out why I got sent to wilderness. And at first I thought I was like, oh, it's because I was using drugs. But it was like a lot deeper than that. It was like I didn't know who I was as a person. I was kind of a follower. Um, just trying to figure out like how to gain the trust back with my parents and have a good relationship with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So was all that a good thing? So oh, was yeah. it good going to wilderness? I hated it at first because it was like, I was kind of entitled when I was back home. Like I yeah, lived yeah. in like a like nice house, whatever. And I got to like have a toilet and a bed stuff. But in wilderness, it's like you get a backpack, you get two sets of clothes and that's it. You get a backpack filled with like all the food you need for the week. 
you get to shower once a week, shower, which is just like you get two containers and just dump water on you. Like, it's bad. So at first I hated it, but like, I made some lifelong friendships there. Wow. Some some buddies there wow. that like I'm definitely going to see after this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was definitely, definitely beneficial. Wow. So you want to go do it again? I definitely would, Th- yeah. Would you? Yeah. Wow. Because like towards the end, so it's a two to three month program, but I was there for four months because my parents didn't know what to do with me afterwards. So like, yeah, so we found one school, school. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're like, yeah, we found a school. We're going to figure out like to get you a spot, get you accepted, whatever. So like the last month and a half at Wilderness, it was me just sitting there and like, just like enjoying the beauty. Cause it, yeah, waiting for a, a spot to open yeah. up here. And it was beautiful there. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, so you get to Heartlight. Yeah. What do you think when you pull in? There's girls. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I freaked out, honestly, because I just went from like the bare minimum to like this place. And that was like so bougie to me. Like yeah, my yeah. first week it was spent like, talking to everybody, wow. eating all the food that we didn't get in wilderness and like watching TV and sleeping in a bed. Like it was amazing, honestly, when I got here. Yeah. But then like the honeymoon phase kind of faded away a month, two or three. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, oh, still here. <laughs> okay. So, so I mean, wilderness teaches you one thing. Yeah. And then you end up coming to a place like Cartlight, which is yeah. far from wilderness. And, mm-hmm. and, but you're learning two different things. Yeah. So what did you learn at wilderness? Wilderness, at first, it was like there's there's four phases. There is a earth phase, fire phase, water phase, and air phase. Water or no earth, earth phase. Yeah, it's like your intake. Like you can't get to fire phase. You can't be a part of the group until you write your life story, which is like a minimum of five pages of just like everything. Mm. And so like I just had to like pull some stuff out of my book because I'd never written that much in my life. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah. oh, like I have these siblings. They play this sport and like yeah, trying yeah. to fill the time. And then after that, you get to fire phase, which is where you're in the group. You're like hanging out. You're part of everything. And then water phase is like, it's kind of like a level five yeah. kind of thing, but like you don't need it to leave or whatever. And I was like super close to getting my water phase, but then like a staff thought I did something that I didn't but like I had a habit of doing before and yeah. it was all whack. So do you think that wilderness is, it kind of gets your attention and then you come to Heartlight, do you start figuring out what's really causing the stuff to go wrong at home? I feel like, like at wilderness, it was like you didn't stop benefiting yourself and progressing yourself in the program. Like mm-hmm. it was like you wake up and you're like, all right, focus on therapy. What do you need to do? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, that was like a habit, you know, but here it's like, you got all these, like, I guess, distractions that most people don't think are distractions. Because, like, I've been to wilderness, but most people haven't. There's, like, lessons here that I would never learn in the wilderness and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, not being able to have the necessities that I had in wilderness versus yeah. being here. So what's the biggest thing you've learned? Because <sighs> um, part of me goes, okay, great. Yeah, you learn to poop in a hole. Uh, great. Fire you learn to sticks. make a fire with yeah. sticks. Okay, so what does that tell you about yourself? And that and that's not a bad thing, but I go, but what are you learning about yourself that's going to change things when you get back home? At wilderness, I learned that like I am a like a natural leader, which I view always as a burden. Which you, which, well, but you are. I mean, you're born that way. Yeah, you command a leadership. I see you here, and you command people to follow you. They like following you. Yeah, and I always looked at it as a burden because my parents were like, well, you're the oldest. You're supposed to, like, be an example for them. And I always, like, took it. I was like, oh, my goodness, I have all this pressure. 
Yeah, but here's your here you're a leader, and you and you were almost the youngest. Yeah, you're almost the youngest out of the whole campus of yeah. sixty some kids, and and I'm go, and you're still a leader. Of course, people want to follow you to the dining room table because you eat more than anybody else in the, you know, on this property. But I mean, you are that. But what are the things that you're learning inside of you that, that kind of caused you to move in the direction you were going? I recently figured out that I'm an extremely sensitive person. Really? And I have all these walls and barriers that I keep from like showing people that. Hmm. So part of that leads into like perfectionistic standards and like people pleasing and stuff like that. So like recently I've been able to figure out like how people truly perceive me of like, what do they see me as versus like who I truly am. And in group the other day, we like went around and said one characteristic about ourselves. I said sensitive and everyone was like, eh. But then one person was like, who I'm like close with was like, yeah, like once you get to know Noah, like once he lets you in, like he's a sensitive person. Wow. So I figured out that like a lot of my unhealthy coping skills were people pleasing or still is people pleasing and like perfectionism. Yeah. But at home it was just smoking. It's like to not care about not caring. Wow. Wow. What would your parents say has been the biggest change? I think, I think I'm slowly but surely finding my true self. I didn't know. I couldn't tell you who I was five months ago. Yeah. I probably could barely still tell you who I am now, but it's been a journey. One like crucial thing of advice my parents have told me is like, my dad actually, he like wrote me in a letter when I was in wilderness. He's like, how I found myself was like, I sat down, I prayed. You have to lose yourself first mm. and find who's waiting for you. Yeah. So cool. that's stuck with me since then. Cool. You getting along with your parents now? Oh yeah. We're like best friends. Really? Yeah. Really? Does that surprise you? I think before, before wilderness, I would have been like, yeah, like parents, like, Ugh. Uh, like nah, like wow. that's, that's uncool. Wow. That's lame or whatever. But now it's like, I'm so happy that like we're on the same page. I'm so happy that we're able to be honest with each other, even about the hard things of like, I see you doing this and like, you see me doing this. Like, okay, let's figure that out. Wow. And it's like, we're doing life together. Yeah. Love your parents. Yeah. Love them to death. You know, they love you. Yeah. Cool. I think they do too. You're a lovable guy. I mean, and you're one of those leaders, man. You gotta, it's just how you're made. You gotta, you gotta follow that path. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for coming in and telling your story. This is wonderful. Yeah, of course. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.